Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. If there's anything I've learned about those who have endured life struggles gracefully, found inner peace, or landed where they belong in life, it's that most of them have something very important to lean on. Sometimes it's trust in the universe. Sometimes it's a belief in God. But whatever it is, we can probably all use a little more of it. And that's exactly where our next conversation comes in. On this episode of Making Space, I sit down with Pastor Mike Todd. He's the lead pastor at Transformation Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And if you're picturing a kind of older gentleman in a suit, well, just picture it again. Let me describe Pastor Mike to you. Okay, he's 34 years old and he is hip. He wears a leather jacket and Yeezys. His haircut is crisp. His smile, it pops. But his message, his message is what captivates so many. Pastor Mike hits on topics you don't often hear in a sermon, everything from sex to divorce, and his congregation has fallen in love with him for it. In fact, they line up down the block on Sundays to hear him speak. There are some people who are actually moving. They're actually packing their bags and moving to Tulsa to join that movement. Pastor Mike is a New York Times bestselling author. His new book is called Crazy Faith. He's also a husband, a father of four, and a social media maven. But one thing he always makes space for is crazy faith. And if you can believe it, he just came off a month-long sabbatical. Can you imagine? His phone tucked away, social media deactivated, no access to the outside world for a full month. He shares why that is so important and what we can all learn by taking a pause. I'm Hoda Kotb, and welcome to my podcast, Making Space. Check one, two, one, two, one, two. Oh, How you doing? Wait. You good? Come on, I got my dog ears going on hey, the book. Come, come on. on, dog ear in the book. Oh, you're enjoying it so far? Loving it. Oh, Sounds man. like it Thank was like, so it's, it was as if you just spoke and it all came out on the pages. It did. It, I, I mean, we're living crazy faith right now. So we're, we're excited. I got to tell you, I am over the moon to be sitting with you. I'm over the moon to be making some space with you. Oh, this is awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, me. first of all, welcome back to uh, the planet Earth. I know you shut <laughs> da- you shut your phone down. You you took a break from all things yeah. media, all Everything. things phone. I yeah. mean, this is an important place, I think, to begin, Pastor, because so many of us are locked in. Tell me what your big revelation was by just this simple act of putting all phone social media away. Yeah, I think if I could sum it up in one word, the word is margin. And I I think about like the greatest things I've ever done, they came in the margin. It didn't come when I was trying to figure it out. It didn't come Mm. when I was trying to make it happen. It came when I made space. And it's (laughs) so amazing that the title of this podcast has to do with making space. It's, it's, I mean, 
when you look at my life story, um, when I when mm-hmm. I met you before, we were talking about my first book, mm-hmm. Relationship Goals. It went number one New York Times bestseller, first book, crazy response, helping tons of people. But that message came when I came off of a month unplugged from all social media, all internet, and it blew up. And I just feel like there's something that happens when you get revelation, when you get ideas, and when you get um, um, new thoughts when there's margin. And so this year I did it um, bigger than I've ever done before. But can I just tell you something? Some people would say, you know what would happen if I took off from my whatever, I would lose my competitive edge. People no. would be sprinting past me. I took a break and I came back and the world went on without me and left me behind. Yeah, that that's false. And what it, it really does is it puts you on a trajectory of unhealth that one day you're going to look up and have all of these things and hate your life. See, what ends up happening is when yeah. you don't stop to enjoy what has happened to be able to look at all of the amazing miracles that are your life, to enjoy the children that you work so hard for. When you do it, you'll look up and you'll run on that motor for 20, 30, 40 years and then look up and not enjoy what you've built. You'll get off of this treadmill and be like, I've been running so hard to go nowhere. And what happens when you take a break or from my beliefs, a sabbatical or a time of extended um, um, withdrawing I, I, I learned from the greatest leader I believe that ever lived was Jesus. When you just study him from a historical and a leadership um, standpoint, he's doing all of these miracles all around the world. But like after these feeding 5,000 and doing all of this stuff, it says, and he withdrew often. He withdrew. And I'm thinking about yeah. like, if you're like claiming to be the son of God on the earth, like why in the world would you have to withdraw? Like why in the world would you have? But I believe there's something that happens in solitude that, that makes you humble. And for anybody that would say like, you know what I'm saying? They passed me by and this and all that other stuff. You don't realize that each one of us come to this earth with a lane that we're supposed to run in. And it doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. What's for you is for you if you can stay healthy enough to run in that lane. And every time that I take this break or make space, what it does is it gives opportunity for me to recenter for me to refocus and me to remember who I am, why I am, and who I'm created to help. You get messages. You said you don't, when you don't seek it out, it comes to you. When you make yeah. space, it comes. How does it, like, how does it come to you? How do the messages, how do you receive them? So something that's a practical practice for me every day is I have what I call quiet time where I do meditation, prayer, I read scriptures, and um, I write down the things that I feel strongly impressed on my heart. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's things like, go take your wife on a special date. like, <laughs> And I just feel like impressed to do that. And other times it's like, hey, pray for that family or um, uh, go give to that person or read this scripture over and over and over and over again. And I just follow those promptings. You know, the crazy thing, Hoda, huh. is people aren't still enough or silent enough to even listen to themselves, to be able to see how they're feeling, to be able to see what what um, is being told to them by the people they love and by the, the, the things that are speaking to them. And when I make that space every day, mm-hmm. it's so crazy that one hour out of 24 hours, yeah. 
can begin to set the trajectory for my life, my family, and miracles to happen in my life that um, really make me feel like I'm just a part of something that's way bigger than me. And I'm just grateful that I get to play a small part. You know what's funny? It's so funny you're saying this because lately in the mornings, I, I always write in, in a journal and usually it's a gratitude journal. But lately I've just been writing like what's on my heart. It's a conversation I'll have with God by myself in the morning. Yeah. And for me, I'm a 3.30 a.m. get up person to get to work. But there's even space then. Like yeah. that 20 minutes because I try to carve it out. And yeah. sometimes that's all it is. And I'm wondering like, What's a, what am I supposed to be doing today? How am I supposed to be of service? And I then I the next morning I'll reflect. I'll say, did I do? Did I carry out those things that I felt like I should have that day? Yeah. But boy, and that's twenty minutes at three thirty in the morning. That's Come it. On. That's that's what it was. And it, and it doesn't yes. matter what the time is. It's that you set intention for that time. Yeah. And, and I think that's one thing that um, in today's society we let media, social media. Uh, our schedules, our mm -hmm. children, we, we're ran by all of the things and we have not taken charge and prioritized the things that actually help us be healthy and whole and present to the moment. And for me, that's hard for me to say. Like, I even saying this to you yeah. right now, I sound like a completely different person than I was three years ago because I found that my motor of running and going and making things happen and grinding and all of these words we we have uh, um, idolized in 2021, yeah. you know what I'm saying? All of those things were coming from, and listen to me say this, okay. an unhealthy place from my childhood. Huh. And I was trying to outrun insignificance huh. and insecurity from something that was so long ago. And now it's the thing people look at me as like, man, that guy has a crazy, I mean, he he's always going and everything works. And what I was really doing was running from pain. And it came out looking like so much drive, but it actually was a, a an unhealthy route that I was trying to um, compensate for. And so when I see people that are so driven and can't take a break and ha and think it's proud to have vacation days they didn't use in this year and all this other stuff, it's a telltale sign that there may be something unhealthy in the past that they're actually trying to work and run their way out of. Boy, that's very... Very profound. That's I want. Loaded. I need to sit in this. I need to make space for that comment. But you are so right because people are like, I only need five hours of sleep. I worked Saturdays. High five, high five. So one of the other things I love that you do that I try to steal because you have so many good things. And I want to get into the background of your life, but I just want to get a couple of nuggets before we go there, which is Let's go. you set intentions for your yeah. relationship with your wife for yeah. your relationship with your kids, for your job. Okay, help me because I want to do this. So what? how do you do it? What are you doing? How are you improving your relationship with your kids, your wife, your job? What do you do? I think the first thing that you have to understand is when you say what you desire, mm -hmm. it begins to move your life in that direction. And most people are scared to even say what they're hoping for. Mm -hmm. They're scared to even say like, you know what? I hope to be working a job that I have time for my family. Mm 
Mm-mm. Like, they won't even say that. Mm-mm. And what I've designed my life around is being voice-activated, steeped in my faith. And that's why I wrote the book Crazy mm-hmm. Faith. That's why I've, I've, I've started to try to give away the plays that I've used. And so the first thing I did, honestly, is got a vision and wrote the vision down and made it plain. And I believe that a lot of people have great, like, very basic. Like, I will date my wife for the rest of my life. I said it out loud, but it wasn't enough to say it. I had to write it down. And I had to write it down to the point where it became written down in my calendar every week. So every Tuesday night, we have a babysitter, no matter what happens, and I am going to date my wife. We're going to go to the movies. We're going to go on a walk. We're going to go swimming. We're going to do something together because there's no way that I can commit my life to all of these other things and then, by the way, kind of make my wife fit into the picture. Mm -hmm. And when I wrote it down, when I said it out loud, when I let my intention be known and I put that vision down on paper, Mm -hmm. it's been two and a half years and every week we've had a date night, Mm -hmm. some weeks twice. And me and her are closer today than we've ever been. That's my high school sweetheart. I met her when I was 15 years old and we've been married 11 years. We got four kids. We run a bunch of businesses together, but it did not happen by accident. Right. I do not let anybody come in between what I say and what I do so that I can get the end result that we're looking for. Did something, like a lot of people have problems in their marriages. Yours yeah. wasn't perfect either. Not no, at all. Nobody who I've ever spoken to has had a, had, had a perfect one. So did this intention come from, uh-oh, our relationship isn't working and unless we do something... Yes. Yeah, so our, our intentionality came from if you're married more than five years, you're not married to the same person you married. Like, and we got a, a revelation that you keep changing every five years and I needed to relearn who she was. What she used to like, she didn't like anymore. So I would do certain things and I was like, man, that used to really work. (laughs) Like, that used to really get you going. Like, what, what happened? And so we made an intentionality that I am not going to pause your growth on the frame that I remember you as. I am going to keep learning you. And out of that, you know, I think it was we had two kids and our our son, um, we found out he had autism. And when we talk about crazy faith, like I'm sitting here and I'm believing for a change in his diagnosis Mm -hmm. and we're going to therapies and all this other stuff. And in the midst of all that, I realized that that situation changed me and my wife a bunch. Mm. And we had to go into a level of intentionality and making space for the new version of who we were Mm. to each other and fall in love with that person. And as we begin to do that, we like that person better than the one we married. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we begin to understand like, man, I love you even more now because we've been through this together and because you're still here and because we can still laugh about that. And again, making space mm-hmm. made us love each other even more. And I don't know, I, I'm right after we get off this podcast, I'm going to go find her. I'm missing <laughs> her right now. I, I need to give her a hug and a kiss right now. By the way, I think that what you said was so profound. The person who you're with now is a totally different person than you were with five years ago, although they still sleep on the same side of the bed. Yep. They still use the red toothbrush. They still do yep. what they've always done. They are different. And you're right. It is relearning. I've Actually, it's funny. I've been having these conversations with Joel lately about this is who I am today. I used to enjoy doing that stuff, and now I'm this person. 
More in just a moment. Stay with us. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash space. Just go to indeed.com slash space right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash space. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think what's interesting about you is you talk about you can you can imagine in your mind's eye and you can believe and pray about something happening because mm-hmm. you can actually see it. I remember yeah. Tyler Perry once told me that he used to like when he was very poor in New Orleans, he used to walk through neighborhoods and walk through open houses because he wanted to see where he was going to live. And he yeah. would go to the used car lot and take a drive in a Mercedes because he wanted to feel the steering wheel of the car he was going to drive. Yeah. I feel like that's, your life has, is that. I mean, the <laughs> fact that you're a pastor of this transformation church and that was nowhere where you began. Where Not were you first when it came to your, uh, your uh, fellowship? I started out as the sound man of our church. Like, I would be fixing your mic right now (laughs) if you came to my church. And um, I was in music production, and I did music and all of those things. And I started out running sound, and this is the key, serving people. Hmm. And I have not stopped serving people from that Hmm. time on. And I think that's the thing that people miss. Platforms change, but service doesn't. And I was content in serving. And I went from serving in the sound uh, booth to helping with the youth. And then literally four years later, I'm the lead pastor of the church. And I'm like, how in the world did this happen? Like, somebody got the wrong person. And I I gave to this transformation. That's why our church is called Transformation Church, because I believe that you can actually change. Um, And I begin to see things that, weren't natural to me seeing. Like 37 days after I became the lead pastor of our church that was um, less than 300 people in the hood of Tulsa. And I, I get up in my quiet time. I'm in my daughter's room. We have one kid at the time. And I'm sitting on the back of her crib. And I just hear this impression. The Spirit Bank Event Center is going to be Transformation Church. Hmm. And I'm like, what? And I had the audacity 
to write it down. The Spirit Bank Event Center was this big building in our city that the Oklahoma City Thunder D-League played in and it had all this other stuff. And I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. But I had the faith to write it down. And I wrote it down with about 13 other things. And honestly, in my book, I put it in there. I put the actual (laughs) picture. It's right there. I love it. Five years later, Hoda, I got the keys to that building. It was little miracle after little miracle. Me believing in what I wrote down. Me telling other people that this is possible. How, like, and if it happened, this couldn't be us. This had to be some divine intervention. And literally step by step by step by step. And I had maybe faith and baby faith (laughs) and, and lazy faith and crazy faith. Like, But that's why I call this whole um, message that I'm giving people is like, this is a message of crazy faith because it's only crazy until it happens. Yes. Well, you talk about being of service, and I think that's such a huge component of life. I keep thinking like of the pillars of life. Being of service has got to be in the top. And you were giving when you had nothing to give. You were giving when you were in need. You yes. were giving when someone probably should have been given to you. <laughs> but but t- t- tell me about that process, because I think people listening might be thinking, well, I wish I could give, but actually I can't, or I wish I could give, I don't have enough. So, so again, this is where your imagination comes into play. I tell people all the time, and even if you're listening and you're not driving, I dare you to try it. Close your eyes. And when you close your eyes, where do you see yourself? When you close your eyes, what do you see yourself being able to give? When you close your eyes, where do you see yourself and your family, even if it's not there right now? When I closed my eyes, when I walked into being the lead pastor of this church, I said, I want us to be a generous church. Within one month of me becoming the lead pastor, I said, guys, today we're in need. We're going to sow a seed into other churches and nonprofits around our community. Everything that we raise today, we're going to give it away. Hmm. And people were looking at me like, what? I said, we have to sow the seed of generosity before we can ever become somebody who is really generous. (laughs) And we raised $8,300 that Sunday and we gave it all away to other people. And that was probably the key moment to us becoming a generous church that culminates into just this last summer. Hold on, I got to tell you this story because it was so powerful. This is the hundredth year of the race riots that happened here in Tulsa, Oklahoma in 1921. If you don't know the story, you need to go research it about the uh, Black Wall Street massacre. Mm -hmm. Well, there's three people that are still living all over the age of 100 that lost their homes and families and everything in that tragedy. And there's been nothing done to restore or um, repair those people in their families. So our church Mm-mm. got together. Mm-mm. And on Juneteenth this year, Mm-mm. we had an outdoor service. We flew those three people in and we found the average of what a house would cost in Tulsa, Oklahoma and North Tulsa. And we gave each one of those people with no strings attached $200,000. And I go back to this moment and watching the tears fall down Mm -hmm. these people's faces and watching their family and watching the community who had given this money to be able to go to this place. It all started with a group of people deciding when we had nothing, we were going to sow into other people. 
Have you ever felt something from God and you thought to yourself, like, is this my gut or my soul talking or is it God? Because I was wondering how do we, and I've wanted this just for myself, how do you figure out if it's your yeah. will or him? Yeah, I have this chapter in the book called Maybe Faith. Okay. And I think it's my my favorite part of the book because people is like, how do you know it's God? How do you know it's the right thing? And most pastors won't tell you this, but I'll tell you very straight. You don't. Like you don't, you don't know at the starting line, is this God? It proves to be God. Uh-huh. And this is why I tell people I live my life at 51% faith. If 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 I'm 51% mm-hmm. sure. It's God. I'm going for it. <laughs> okay. And because I have the heart to be able to be corrected, and I'm ah, humble enough good. to say, you know what? I missed that. That I thought that was it, but <laughs> I, hey, my bad, guys. Really going on. And that's where I, I've been able to see so many amazing things happen. Because some people stand at the starting line and is like, okay, how long is this going to take? How much is this going to cost? Are we going to win? Is this worth it? And they end up living their life paralyzed a pause at the start. And what I do is it's very, I tell people this, I said, it's it's a lot easier to direct a moving car than it is to, to direct or, or steer a car that's standing still. <laughs> that's and I really do believe that as you start making the step, like, I'm not sure that this is it, but I'm going to at least start looking up homes in this city. Yeah. As you make that step, then there's either confirmation or denials or checks or your peace is not there. And then you'll know like, well, maybe I need to go back to prayer. Maybe I need to do something else. And as you live on maybe faith, like maybe this is you. I see so many good things happen and um, it just takes being humble. Well, I do like that you talk about change because I think a lot of people say, whether they're in a relationship um, or friendships or whatever, like people are who they are. You either accept them or you don't. People don't change. They can change around the edges. Mm-hmm. But in reality, that's who the, that's how they were raised. That's the way they're going to be. What's, what's your answer? Yeah, I don't that? really believe that because I know who I am mm-hmm. and I know who I was mm-hmm. and I know who I'm, I'm trying to be. I was a liar. I was a manipulator. I was somebody who was addicted to to pornography and wrong images. And I I had a lot of evil in my heart. I I only looked out for myself. I was very selfish. Like, that's who I was. It wasn't wasn't what I presented, but that's who I was on the inside. Mm -hmm. And now today, I look at my life and how I give everything that uh, I have to help people, to serve other people, to make exceptions and uh, uh, allowances for people's faults and shortcomings. How I, like, that was not me. Like, Mm -hmm. like, that was not me. I had a case um, in court for car insurance fraud. Mm -hmm. And like, like, I was a crazy guy. Mm -hmm. And the fact that I'm sitting here today and I am, I am all about spreading a message of hope, uh-huh. love, faith, and really helping people become their best versions. I know that transformation is real. I know that change is possible. And I am acutely aware of the grace that we all need to yeah. be able to make those decisions. D- did your change, did your moment, did it come like a lightning bolt? Did your moment <laughs> of change come in baby steps and take years? Like, yeah. My One of my greatest sayings, and if you come around our church or our organization, you'll hear this all the time, progression, not perfection. Hmm. 
I think that this, if this could become people's mantra, they would be able to do so much more when they allow the little movement forward to be the win instead of this big, like you said, lightning bolt mm-hmm. moment. It wasn't that for me. It was like this year, I'm going to become better at listening and keeping my word. Hmm. And next year, I'm going to try to stop eating a, a gallon <laughs> of ice cream every night before I go to bed. And this year, I'm going to open my scriptures and I want to read at least 10 minutes a day. It, like, it just has been like baby progression, steps. baby steps, baby faith, just making moves. And I look up 10, 15 years mm-hmm. later and it's like, you're a pastor of a church and you're talking to hundreds of thousands of people weekly. And like, I'm like, who are you? Like, that's how I feel. Coming up, Pastor Todd shares one of his favorite sermons. We'll be right back. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Do you ever drift away from God? Do you ever? (laughs) You talking big language right here, right now. You used one of my trigger words, drift. This year, our word for our church is anchored. And we we are trying to get anchored spiritually, emotionally, physically, like and, and it's in every area of our life. Mm-hmm. But the tagline is this is the year of the anti-drift. Oh. And the one thing about drifting, so you said drifting and it like went through <laughs> my whole body right there. Because um drifting is natural if there's not intention. Say that again. That was good. Drifting is natural if there is no intention. Yes. yes. If you put a boat in water. There does not have to be a storm for that boat to drift. If you just put it there with no anchor, it's going to be out to sea in an hour and a half Mm -hmm. because there was no intention of dropping an anchor somewhere. Mm -hmm. And yes, to answer your questions, there are tons of places in my life that I have drifted because I was not intentional. Mm -hmm. So one of those areas was in my health, very practically, the church is blowing up. I'm having all of these kids. And as the church is blowing up, I'm blowing up. Like I'm eating everything. I'm fat and happy. I'm, I'm eating ice cream. I'm doing all the different things. And this year, when we talk about Anchored, I looked at myself and I was 264 pounds. I was completely out of shape. All of those different things. And in a quiet time, I really felt so strongly that this was an area that I had been drifting. Yeah. And I made a decision. That if I was shown something, I was going to start in crazy faith, making steps toward that. So we started eating better, got a trainer. Like, I literally just finished working out. I'm 229 pounds today. From, that was four months ago. And I almost lost 35 pounds. 
since I made the decision, I'm drifting in that area. And if I start drifting in that area, what other areas that I would I begin to drift in? And as I started being anchored in this one area, my spiritual life, my emotional life, mm-hmm. I'm doing counseling once a week now. I have found myself being anchored in so many other places because I decided to stop drifting in one. And I'm encouraging somebody. It takes one area that you get intentional in that then begins to move all the other areas that have been drifting into alignment too. And now my wife in the gym with me. And I'm, <laughs> I, it's, I mean, it's a whole situation hey, over here. I want to hear your morning routine because I feel like you are a, I mean, your light is like blowing up my office. But oh, what do wow. you, so eyes open, let's go. Yeah. I want to hear the morning routine. Eyes open, I kiss my wife. I pray like a little short prayer. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you that I'll have wisdom and passion and favor today. And then I go wake up my two little girls, mm-hmm. Ava Ray and <laughs> Isabella Monet. And um, I get them ready for school, brush their teeth, get them ready. That My wife really is so, um, she's the best mommy in the world. And she wasn't raised with a father. And, and, and so her idea of daddy getting the girls ready in the morning has been something that has been really, really impactful wow. for our family. So I spend a lot of time with my girls in the morning. Yeah. We do breakfast, I take them to school. We play praise and worship and trap music in the car. Oh, so do? it goes like we go from Fred Hammond blessed and then it's like some uh, Kanye West song and my uh, or something crazy. And we have a good time. I, I tell them that they're beautifully and wonderfully made, the head and not the tail, and they're God's masterpiece every day. Take them into school. And then I have from 8.30 to 9.30 in the morning as my quiet time. And I pray, I read scripture, I meditate, I write things down. 9.30, I'm in the gym. And 9.30 to 10.30, my wife gets there with me because she's at home with the other two little babies. Mm-hmm. And then she gets to the gym. We do an hour of power. I take a shower. Hour and then I'm power. in meeting from uh, 11 to 6. And um, I, and then I go home, turn my phone off, and um, I'm with my family until after my kids go to bed. And then uh, do we do grown-up things after that. Well, I would... Just one last question because I want to hear a sermon right now. I feel like I wish I could hear one. But <laughs> but is there is there, and I'm not gonna, I don't want to pin you down right now in case you can't, sometimes you can't remember you've done so many great sermons, but was there one that really resonated with people in a way that surprised you? I mean, I know I'm I mean, I'm feeling like we're having one right now and we're just having a podcast, but but was there was there one that sort of sticks out in your mind that if that you could share with us for a little bit? Yeah, I I think it would be the first message that I ever did of crazy faith. Um, I, I, I came off sabbatical. Mm-hmm. This was my first message after being off for six weeks. And when I got up and spoke, I told people, I brought two chairs out on the stage. And one was a kitty chair and one was like an adult chair. And I was telling them, I said, most of us don't have faith in situations, circumstances, and places if it doesn't look strong enough to hold us up. Hmm. And I brought this big guy out on stage (laughs) and I said, which chair would you want to sit in? And he, of course, said the big chair. And I said, what if I told you that the small chair was manufactured to hold you up? What if I told you this was God's will for your life? What if I told you that it can carry your weight? which chair would you choose? And he said, I'd still choose the big chair. (laughs) And I said, doesn't this sound like many of our lives? 
that we would rather choose the thing that looks good than the thing that was built for us. Mm. The thing that really other people would mm. say is not really the best for us, but the manufacturer or God tells you, like, I know this doesn't look like what you thought, but I want you to sit in it. I said, what if I sat in the chair? Then would you sit in it? And he was like, maybe. And so I sat in the kitty chair and we were about the same size. And I said, now would you sit in that chair? He said, I don't know. And I said, sit in the chair. I said, look how much time you've wasted being able to stand on your own when something was designed for you that yeah. looked different, yeah. but really was designed to hold yeah. up your weight. And then when that man sat down in the chair yeah. and it held him up like he was being cautious, <laughs> The whole uh, auditorium <laughs> began to shout and, you know what I'm saying? The, and because it was a picture of yes. what so many of us are living, we're living this idealistic life. Like if God would give me this and my chair looked like that and I had yeah. this husband and I yes. had this job and I was yeah. able to work at this city and all this other stuff. And God said, no, this chair no. is different. It looks different. It's not yeah. probably what you would have put but I designed it specifically for you. Just for you. Would you have crazy faith and put your weight on it? See, the whole thing was he didn't care if somebody else put their weight on it, but yeah. faith is actually putting your own weight and believing and trusting that this thing will hold you up. And I don't know, somebody may be listening right now that has an idea of what you want your chair or your life to look mm -hmm. like, and God may have a different chair for you, that you're going to have to step in crazy faith and put your weight on it. But when you put your weight on it, how much more exciting <laughs> is it to be in something that was manufactured for you, your life, your family? And I didn't know it was going to resonate with so many people, but wow. we put that up online and millions of people have watched that message and um, just started living a life of crazy faith after that. Well, you are such a unique pastor. You're all by yourself. I mean, you help people with relationships. You talk about people, things that, that you don't expect a pastor to talk about. And I love that because it's, it's all part of us. This book, Crazy Faith, is beautiful. And I love the subtitle, It's Only Crazy Until It Happens. Michael Todd, man, what a blast. Thank you. Oh, we could do this once a week. Maybe we need to start the Mike and Hoda show. We can, we can, hey, listen, let's, let, let's, let's do an hour every week or every two weeks. Let's Look, do it. I'll be your sidekick any day <laughs> of the week. Thank you, honey. I appreciate you. Oh, Thank you. you so much. All right. Take care. Tell your wife, hey. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening and going on this journey with me. If you like what you've heard, and I sure hope you do, please give Making Space a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to tell your friends and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. Making Space with Hoda Kotb is produced by Allison Berger and Ursula Summer, along with associate producer Olivia Rouchard and audio engineer Bob Mallory. Original music by John Estes. Bryson Barnes is our technical director. Minna Kathoria is our executive producer. Soraya Gage is our general manager. And Madeline Herringer is our head of editorial. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. 
but there's only one McCrispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.